This is Hear Me Out. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Massive cultural events are having a major comeback this summer. After years of pandemic restrictions, concerts and movie theaters are roaring back to profitability and importance. But what that means is that this summer, it's been hard to avoid stories of people behaving badly throwing things at pop stars, taking smartphone videos of Barbie at the movie theater, starting squabbles with other attendees that sometimes turn violent. Some of this isn't new, of course, but we can all probably agree that things have gotten kind of bad. So the question becomes, what do we do now? Does it come down to choosing an absolute freedom for all to behave however they like and this sort of police state? I have to say, I really think there's a middle ground. Writer Sarah Stewart joins us to say we can't force each other to behave better, so it's time for organizers to step up. Stay with us. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. Have you noticed how people are like forgetting fucking show etiquette at the moment? People are throwing shit on stage. Have you seen that? I fucking dare you. Dare you throw something at me and I'm not fucking doing You're listening to a recording of Adele, the singer-songwriter, addressing a recent audience about a disturbing new trend in concert going. A month ago, pop star Bibi Rexa took his cell phone to the face while she was performing and walked away with a black eye and three stitches. As Rexa made her way down the stage, a concert goer threw a cell phone from the audience, hitting her in the face. You can see in the video Rexa falling to her knees, crew members rushing in to help. The man who threw that cell phone is being charged with misdemeanor threats and harassment. The rapper Cardi B was performing in Vegas when an audience member threw his drink at her. She responded by throwing her mic right back. And pop star Harry Styles on the tail end of his world tour this summer was routinely pelted with objects ranging from flowers to a handful of Skittles. The singer Pink was stunned when a fan threw a bag containing his deceased mother's ashes on stage. Incidents like this have become increasingly common this summer. You've probably seen many, many videos floating around on the internet, and maybe you've even seen it happen in person. Hopefully you haven't done it. But if you're not a concert person, you've probably seen someone texting while they're at a movie. Maybe you've seen them leaving a messy disaster at their seats or acting out and disturbing the peace somewhere else. And look, by no means are we coming here to tell you that this kind of behavior is appropriate or okay. It doesn't matter how common it is. Obviously, it is not appropriate. But how we got here and what we do going forward is up for debate. Sarah Stewart is a freelance writer who recently had a piece in CNN titled, We No Longer Know How to Behave in Public. She argues that we're past the point where we can try to make each other act better, and so it's time for the organizers of these events to step up. And Sarah joins us now. Hi there. Hi. So, you know, this show is sort of where we entertain a lot of 
quote unquote unpopular opinions. Tell me what what part of your opinion do you think might not go over well with others? <laughs> I have been writing about film for quite a long time. I was a full-time film critic for the New York Post for many years. And before that, I was writing other movie features. So I am somebody who has been going to a lot of movies for most of my adult life. So I have been steeped in this behavior probably more than your average moviegoer. And I have been saying for a long time that audience behavior has been sort of uh, getting worse over the years. And I think that this became more of a slippery slope with social media, with cell phones, uh, as everybody sort of normalized having their phone in their hand constantly. I think that there is a, a wide variety of whether people are bothered by this behavior or not. It's been my experience that I'm more on the sensitive end of really being distracted by people talking and people texting. So what's been really vindicating to see this summer is, although the incidents that I am writing about in CNN are pretty egregious, just to know that other people agree that something is not right here, that audiences really are behaving badly, and that it's not just me being a skull. Okay, so the thing that I think maybe other people may not agree, or maybe I I don't agree on, is that what the solution is. Because it sounds like you're saying the people who hold these events need to step forward, which which sounds to me like making the argument for, for more security. Is that what you're saying? It is. It is. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think that when you talk about audience behavior, particularly in the case of the movies, when you ask people to stop using their phones, I think that, that we have arrived at a moment where generally people just have accepted that everyone's phone is going to be on. I, I My sense when I'm at the movies is that most people have realized that that ship has sailed and that there is no go putting that genie back in the bottle. But I do think that there is inherently still a contract, a social contract that we have, whether it's at a live concert, whether it's at the movie, whether it's at a Broadway show, that we have agreed to be in a public space together to enjoy something that was written for us to consume. And so your right to have your phone light up or your right to talk to the person next to you ends where my line of sight or my hearing begins. I feel like that maybe is an inherently unpopular stance at this point, but I also think that this is there's still some truth in that. I think anyone who's a live performer would agree, particularly singers who've had things pelted at their faces this summer. But, you know, I mean, this is also a period of time when we're coming out of the pandemic when there were a lot of arguments, even over asking people to put masks on, right? Like, I remember the blowback uh, when performers <laughs> would tell audience members to put their masks over their nose, right? Patty Lapone scolded audience members for not having masks on or not having them on fully in the theater. And people called her some fairly rude names, which, I mean, if you're Patty Lapone, who cares what they call you? She's Patty frickin' Lapone. But, you know, telling people they can't bring their phones anywhere or can't touch their phone is not going to go over well. Like maybe that ship has kind of sailed, right? Well, exactly. Uh, you know, and most of us are Patty Lapone, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I would love to be Patty Lapone, but you're right. There is only one Patty Lapone. 
the the article that I previously wrote for CNN was actually about um, earlier this summer. There were a number of disturbing incidents where people were shot for doing really innocuous things. Um, there was the teenager in Kansas who rang the man's doorbell. Then there were that there was the woman who was killed turning around in someone's driveway. There was a cheerleader who tried to get in someone's car mistakenly um, and ended up getting shot. And my feeling was for those of us who, um, to whatever degree of unpopularity, had sort of prided ourselves ourselves on calling out rude behavior, that that ship has definitely sailed. And I no longer feel okay at all shushing my neighbors or asking them to put their phones away. Yeah. So the point that I made in, in this piece was that we really do, if in fact we are going to acknowledge that this contract exists, then the people who are asking us to pay money, in live concert cases, a lot of money to see these events are entitled to some measure of the organizers of said event uh, making perhaps an announcement beforehand saying, these are the things that we need you to do. We need you to put your phone away. We need you to not talk. You know, in the case of concerts, we need you to not throw things at people. I mean, I just, I can't believe that we have to say this. But also, I, I will say as a tangent, um, this is not new. This is just amped up. Uh, this has been happening for as long as movies and concerts have existed. And one of the great pictures I found when I was writing about this was a picture of the Beatles performing in 1960-something with a big lit-up sign on the stage saying, please don't throw things. Oh, yeah. And apparently George Harrison had some jelly beans thrown at his face. And at punk concerts, the Stooges, notably, they used to throw yeah. bottles of pee at them. But you're right, it has gotten way more widespread at this point. And they're yeah. they're throwing things at what would normally be considered nice concerts like um but okay so there's a there's a couple things that go on in my mind and and this is sort of what makes our our conversation not just me interviewing you but me disagreeing with you and that's because i get i start to get a little hivy um when we start talking about bringing in more security to police people's behavior because there is always a disagreement among attendees of over what behavior we're not talking about throwing things at performers. I mean, I think most people except the people doing that ridiculous thing would agree that you don't throw your mother's ashes at pink. Like that's what are you, <laughs> you know, what is wrong with you? But when you talk about someone say, screaming too loud or singing too loud or disrupting your concert experience. That's where people start trying to police others because they don't agree with the way they're enjoying the concert. And that's where sometimes it can become racialized. Sometimes it can become um, ageist. Sometimes it can become gender biased. Um, and it, it, you know, they, all these other biases that can come in and then you bring security into it and you can start throwing people out of concerts just because of people's biases and not because they're actually behaving badly. I, I agree, actually. Um, I have had at least one feedback email uh, telling me that the reason this is happening is because certain groups of people are behaving badly. Oh, God. And while it wasn't overly <laughs> racial, it certainly was. That was the implication. Yeah. And that was definitely not my intention. 
But I do see where that could be problematic. And I and I do think in terms of phone use, particularly, I think that different demographics have different standards. I mean, I'm age particularly as far as what's okay with phone usage. So yeah, maybe I am just a cranky old person who, <laughs> you know, doesn't like kids being on their phones. Um, and I certainly would not argue that security guards should be roughing people up and throwing them out. I think there is, however, a middle ground. And I think that the pendulum has swung so far in favor of people having complete autonomy to kind of do this cyborg thing, basically, where you are, your phone is primarily attached to your hand, you're recording what you're seeing, you're taking videos of the concert, you're taking videos of the movie, which is another thing people are doing this summer, and they're taking, particularly with Barbie, they're taking videos yeah. of the movie. And I just think this is something that common sense would dictate is invasive and rude. And I think that that perhaps... Again, this is pretty idealistic, but I think that perhaps there's a conversation to be had about some common sense measures that might be able to fall in the middle without, as you said, sort of targeting certain groups and making it racialized or making it ageist. Um, I mean, it's, I it's like hard, that. right, Sarah? I mean, it's difficult because, like, I remember, um, and, you know, my producer, Murakuri, went with us. I I bought when we were, when I was producing a show out of out of Atlanta, um, is when the first Black Panther movie came out and I bought my entire team tickets to go see Black Panther and we went to a theater that's was attended by mostly black people and that's where I feel comfortable and they, if they're going to the Black Panther movie, they're going to be loud and they're going to talk back to the screen, right? Um, and that may be to people who are not used to that, that might be feel disruptive, right? Um, well, that's true, but you have to pick and choose your movies because that sounds awesome. <laughs> it was awesome it was awesome um yes and and mora is, is quite white i feel comfortable saying that she's pretty white uh and i i think she would say it was awesome but then if you go to a showing of say uh you know a, a sort of a quiet period drama say or you know a french movie whatever something something with a little more you know silence um i again think it's reasonable to expect for people to shut that up Although, you know, again, this may just be me, but increasingly, I don't think that it is. Huh. See, I, it's this is so difficult. It's really difficult when we start talking about behavior. And it's it's hard because we're moving from things which seem to me to be clearly over the line, like throwing things at a performer and into things like um, disrupting other concert goers, which are in a more of a gray area. We have to take a break here, so I'll do that, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about what lives inside those gray areas. I, we're, we're talking about how to make people, or or who is responsible for making people behave themselves uh, at, at public events like concerts and movies, and I'm talking to Sarah Stewart, a freelance writer uh, who writes about culture. Uh, this is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley. Stay with us. We'll be right back. With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. 
enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. So check it out. Subscribe to Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wondering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And we're back. This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. And today we're talking to Sarah Stewart. And if you have been to a concert and seen something get thrown on stage and been horrified, or if you've been to a movie where someone answered a phone call and wondered why, why, then you are probably pretty into this conversation because Sarah Stewart thinks not only is that absolutely unacceptable, but she feels the movie owner, the the person who owns the movie theater needs to do something about that, or the person who organizes the concert, the arena owners need to step up and make sure that the kind of behavior which is really disruptive does not happen. And Sarah, I want to make sure I'm actually describing your opinion clearly, because we started off by talking about the, you know, the the stuff that makes headlines, the things that are thrown at B.B. Rexa, giving her stitches, um, the, the, the things that are thrown at Cardi B, <laughs> somebody threw a drink at her and she threw her mic back. So we started out there and now we're talking about people taking pictures at Barbie. Um, so let's talk about that gray area. Where 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 do you think the sort of the 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 absolute red flags end and the yellow flags begin. Well, I think, or rather, I hope that all of us might be able to move forward and coexist and enjoy entertainment the way we want to enjoy it. And one of the one of the suggestions that I have made is to essentially create for movies, uh, create certain screenings where you would your phone away or perhaps you would have your phone you know you'd sign your phone away to a security guard or something which would enable people like me who you know the stodgy you know old timers who who don't want to look at our phones during movies which would enable us to actually enjoy a movie any quiet and darkness the way i would argue it was intended to be watched um and then the rest of the screenings would be everybody would be perfectly free to have the phones out and do whatever they do. I think that most people are probably okay with seeing a few screens light up here and there in the movies. I have accepted that. Uh, I, I really do think that that is a, the new reality um, that we're living in. But I also think that there ought to be room for people who want to have more of a single focus on what it is they want to see or hear or experience. So, th- I mean, I remember th- there are um concerts in which they make people put them in those bags or those containers that mm-hmm. prevents them from getting a signal 
Um, mm-hmm. I had to put my phone in that when I, I was at Prince's last concert in Atlanta. And oh. They had to put them. I had to put, you had to put your cell phones in there because he doesn't want them interrupting his music. Totally understandable. W- would that be a solution for you? Absolutely. And I think if Prince said it, it's right. That's a, that's a hard line for me. Right. I mean, that's probably a good way to live, right? Um, uh, that's a, that's a, a Patti LuPone. Right. Absolutely. If you're if you're living by uh, the advice of Prince and Patti LuPone, you're probably okay. All right. So that would be something that an organizer could do is require that people put their cell phones into those things. Um, so that they can't get a phone call. And of course, the pushback is always, what if it's an emergency call? And what's your response to that? Absolutely. And and also, as as another uh, letter writer pointed out to me, there are people with disabilities uh, who wouldn't need their phone to check their phones for certain things. There was someone who said, I go to the movies and I have to check my phone multiple times during the hour and taking that away from me would be a violation of the ADA. Um, So yeah. It, that's tough. I, I genuinely don't know what to say, although I do think that there are certain exceptions that could be made for certain valid cases like that without having every single person's phone out all the time. Again, this is all very pie in the sky still, but I, I do think those bags are, uh, are can be useful potentially. You know, we used to have concerts way back in the olden days at big <laughs> stadiums where we just would go without phones because phones didn't exist. And we all managed to get through somehow. Yeah. And I have still go to concerts where you don't hear cell phones going off. And and I will tell you right now, if you go like to the opera and a, a cell phone goes off, the entire audience will glare you into absolute puddle of shame. So, okay. Let me put to you some other things that I consider to be incredibly rude that other people may not. For example, I am a performer, right? I'm, I'm a professional opera singer. I find it unbelievably rude when people stand up as soon as a curtain comes down and start to exit before the the um, curtain calls begin. They start to head towards the door because they want to beat the crowd to get out of the parking structure, right? So that as you are coming out on stage to take your bow, you're seeing people's backs as they're leaving. I find that incredibly rude. Your take? I couldn't agree more. Really? And I think that it's just another example of this sort of solipsism that pervades everything we do when we're out in public together where the individual's needs are always uh, paramount. And considering what's going on with everyone around you is like a distant afterthought. And again, I know I sound so old for saying this, but I also think like, how common sense is that? If we could all just be a little more thoughtful about the people around us or the people on the stage. I don't understand what's so hard about that. But again, I, I know that it is. Okay, so we found an area of agreement here. I mean, I think that it, it the the main. I I don't even know if it's disagreement. I guess for me, it's just discomfort when I start to think about policing behavior. Um, and I and I well, it's just the word police. Yes, too. exactly. And because I just you know, and we hear tone policing, and I and I hear someone in my head saying, "Don't take that tone with me," and and I know that there are people out there who are constantly trying to put people in their place by uh, telling them that they are not acting right, you know? And and that's what makes me a little bit nervous. I would also suggest that 
what has really lit a fire under a lot of public rudeness, in my opinion, is what's happened since Trump was elected, since a, a sort of a flagrant me-first attitude was kind of co-signed by leader of the country. I I see a lot of the worst behavior coming from the sort of red baseball cap crowd. And, um, you know, these are the same people who are generating a lot of what you're talking about, a lot of the tone policing and a lot of putting down of uh, marginalized groups. And I really think that a lot of the worst behavior is coming from from that direction. Okay. So this is difficult because, I mean, I don't know if having more security at a a concert helps that. You know what I mean? I mean, because the people say, say that I'm at a concert, right? And let's say that somebody next to me keeps opening their phone to check their email or whatever they're doing. I don't want to look at their phone. I don't want to see their personal texts or whatever it is. I'm not going to call the security over to tell on them. I'm just going to get irritated. Um, but somebody else who is maybe biased, maybe doesn't appreciate whatever young person or they think this this 19-year-old is dressed, you know, doesn't have enough clothing on or whatever, they're judging this person, they may be really ready to call security over on this other person and they may be very quick to police this other person's behavior and and you know that 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 may end up being overused by some and underused by others and it's a situation where it could escalate quickly and you know violence could ensue right in the enforcing of whatever rule it was that, that was being reported. I mean, I feel like the laws of un- unintended consequences will very quickly come into play here. It's it's that that is a real consideration. It's true. I I wonder if, you know, does it come down to choosing an absolute freedom for all to behave however they like and this sort of police state, which, you know, the way you're describing it sounds vaguely terrifying. <laughs> and that's not really what I was intending. Um I, again, have to push back and say, I really think there's a middle ground. And I think that when we say that there isn't, I feel like there is a certain disingenuousness to that from sort of a public reaction. I think that we all know bad behavior when we see it. I, I really do. Okay, I don't know about that. Um, but I'm, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. We need to take another break. Sarah Stewart is with me. We are talking about bad behavior at public events. This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley, and we will be right back. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. The history of HIV and AIDS is the history of people who were told to stay out of sight and who refused to do so gay men, but also injection drug users, women, and yes, children who contracted the virus. Join host Kai Wright for Blind Spot, The Plague in the Shadows, 
a new series that seeks to answer the question of how much pain could have been avoided had we paid attention sooner. From the History Channel and WNYC Studios, Blindspot, The Plague in the Shadows. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Good to have you back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and with me is Sarah Stewart. And we have kind of come to the crux of the disagreement here, because just before the break, Sarah Stewart said, I think we know all bad behavior when we see it. And here's, I think, maybe the crux of our disagreement, Sarah, because I don't agree. I think maybe there's a lot of people who are willing to give themselves the benefit of the doubt and very, very quick to label other people's behavior as bad (laughs) in a heartbeat and do not recognize their own bad behavior, even when they see it on video. So, you know, one of the things I found interesting about some of these throwing bottles things is that psychologists say that a big reason this is spreading is because of that, the um, the main character syndrome, right? Yeah, um, that's right. That everybody wants to be, they want to go viral, right? And it never even occurs to them that this this drive to like have all eyes on them means that all eyes are going to see them and be hating them and thinking they're horrible. They just want the attention, right? I think people struggle to see themselves when they're thinking themselves as the main character, they don't, they're not thinking of themselves as the villain, <laughs> right? I, I think you're right. I do think you're right. And I think that uh, a, a corollary of that, of that behavior that I thought was really interesting is this idea of parasocial relationships that people are trying to sort of have this connection with artists they love, however extreme, by throwing things at them, um, you know, which is something that Billie Eilish, for example, has said has been happening for years. You know, and she said something to the effect of, I get it, but please stop doing it. You know, I, and I think that, again, I don't want to um, demean anyone's uh, social media um, status, but I, I do think that there is a certain way in which people are enthralled to constantly producing content, constantly trying to go viral, constantly trying to keep up with the conversation that is really impeding their ability to just enjoy being in the moment. And it sounds so severe to push back and say, you need to put that down and just focus on what's going on. But but I also think that's sort of a, that's an age old argument. That's something people have been saying since the invention of any technology, that people have always been too distracted, that when it comes down to it, what you want to do is kind of train your mind to be able to focus on one thing because it's healthier and it will make you happier. So is that too prescriptive? Maybe. But I do think that it's worth having the conversation. I do think it's worth examining what it's doing to our collective psychology to be so married to this idea that we have to be always on, even when we're somewhere where we should have the freedom to turn off. And and really throw ourselves into someone else's art. I mean, it's, you know, if there were a restriction on having phones at these events, that would take away that that drive to be go viral, right? Because they wouldn't be filming themselves. Um, Absolutely. On the other hand, 
I don't think that would ever happen because a huge part of going to these concerts is filming yourselves and taking pictures uh, at and the And we've seen that with the Taylor Swift uh, Eros tour particularly. And I would be lying if I didn't say I have watched a few of those clips of Taylor performing. Like it's Diving great. into I've, the stage. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't able to get a ticket myself. And I have really enjoyed seeing other people there. So I get it. And in a way, it's been fun that those videos exist. But on the other hand, if you told me Taylor, like Prince, had demanded that everybody surrender their phones on the way in, I would have said, right on. I mean, I, I think it's possible that uh, A, the performers could make a larger moat around the stage. Um, that could be um, one way that they uh, end up protecting themselves. That would make perfect sense to me. Um, it's also possible that these venues that accommodate tens of thousands of people also in the era of mass shootings, maybe we have, there's also a question of safety in these venues that accommodate major, major, major crowds. I mean, I don't want to bring the, all this down, but I'm just saying intimate, there's a, there's a beauty to intimate events where you can see people's faces, where there's a human, more human level to them, May, maybe. And I don't, I don't want to be the more old-fashioned person here, but maybe there's a, a, not just an economy of scale, but a humanity of scale. I think that's true. I think that's true. And, and we've seen uh, over, I don't know, the past decade, the consideration of mass shooters has really infiltrated how people are at these big events or even at the movies. Um, you know, the house lights don't go down all the way a lot of the time. Yeah. Anymore, I think for, you know, for security reasons. And so it isn't possible to enjoy a movie in total darkness the way you used to just because that's not the world we live in anymore. And perhaps, you know, perhaps we do have to just accept that enjoying a movie without phones and people talking around you is is also just not the way we enjoy something anymore. Um, but I will, I will push back against that for as long as I can, because uh, I just, I think that good art is worth putting your phone down for and shutting up for. I, I think that you really, um, you know, my article, I, I think I said, like, it's it's relaxing not to be the main character, you know? Like, you don't have to do that all the time. It's You can turn it off. Let somebody else be the main character. I mean, I see, I agree with that. I mean, I got to say, Sarah, I agree with that 100%. It's not that part that I found myself disagreeing with. I just feel like it's not realistic. I mean, I just don't see it happening. Like, I myself love to leave my phone places and leave the house without my phone. Love it. I used to pretend that I'd forgotten my phone at work all the time so that people couldn't call me, right? Um, I just don't think it's realistic. I just don't think you're ever gonna tell people they can't touch their phones. I, I think you're right. I mean, ultimately, I think you're right. I enjoyed making the argument for all of these amendments, but I mean, quite honestly, this is why I'm not a film critic anymore. I have stopped going to movies largely because I just can't. I can't take it. I would rather write about other things. It just became, it was like every movie I went to hoped sprang eternal that I would actually be able to focus on the movie. And increasingly, it was never in that way. And that is a really sad thing to admit as somebody who loves movies as much as I do. I think that for some of us who feel strongly about the way movies should be consumed, 
we have just had to um, accept that we're going to watch them at home largely and and leave the movie theaters to people who want to multitask. I mean, so we don't fully agree on solutions here. Can I posit you one thing that came to me and see if there's any common ground? Absolutely. So the one thing that is super powerful for our species <laughs> is social sanctioning on like a one-to-one -one level. And almost everybody goes to these concerts with someone else. That may not be true always of movies, but certainly concerts, it's very rare that people go alone. So if everybody who goes to a concert with somebody else makes the pact to have a conversation <laughs> about uh, what is and is not acceptable and how they will be mortified if the other person does A, B, C, D, or E at that concert. <laughs> I will never forgive you if you throw your mother's ashes at pink. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some social sanctioning might work a little better than saying you're not allowed to touch your phone. I mean, maybe I if we start, sh you know, yeah, you do. I, I really do. I think it's a great idea. I think it's along the same lines as, you know, I, I am a uh, political phone banker. And one of the things they have a say often is, um, okay, well, now, you know, at the end of your call, you ask people to ask five friends how they plan to vote sort of spreading the word in this very organic way. And it feels kind of silly to say it, but it apparently works. It works really well. And I think maybe, you know, there there could be some potential for uh, for something similar in this day. Um, again, I don't know, you know, on a large scale if that would really affect change, but it, it certainly can't get worse than it is. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like if not throwing stuff at people is the quiet part. Maybe we do have to start saying the quiet part out loud to each other and just say the person with us in the car, okay, nobody in here had better throw anything <laughs> at anybody else. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like it might be more realistic. Isn't it incredible that we have to say that? Truly, like where have we arrived? that we have to have that conversation. Right, except think about all the things we now have to say in the 21st century, Sarah. <laughs> think of all <laughs> the things that have to be said. It's mm. true, I it's won't, true. I won't list them, but just think. <laughs> I also think, if, if I may, um, ultimately, I don't really think that this is this should be down to personal responsibility. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think that there is a larger, there's a nihilism in our culture right now. We are going through a summer of extreme heat, um, of, of wildfire smoke, you know, just choking our cities. Uh, we've had things happen to us over the past few years that have all made us kind of bonkers. Uh, and I don't really blame anybody for acting out in whatever ways make them feel a little bit better about being in public. So clearly I had a lot of thoughts about this and they weren't entirely perfectly formed. Maybe you have more clearly articulated thoughts than I did. I just basically had uh, icky feelings about the idea of calling insecurity. But if you have thoughts on how to get people to behave better at public events. I want to hear them. 
What suggestions do you have? Have you had this conversation with your friends? Let me know how that went. Um, you can email us. It's hearmeout at slate.com. We love hearing from you, especially if you have good ideas on how to have uncomfortable conversations about other people's bad behavior. And there's another way you can chime in too. Uh, take a minute, if you have not already, to give us a rating and review wherever you're listening. We read your reviews and we care what you think. Your ratings and reviews help us find more listeners. So really, we appreciate it. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by the wonderful Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is our great senior director of podcast operations. And Alicia Montgomery is the fantastic VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Until next time, speak your mind, but keep it open.